Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and thanks for coming back for part two of our talk on the Avengers Defenders War. In case you didn't listen to part one in episode 31, and are just too lazy to hit pause and download that, I have both Brian Zeno and John M. Wilson on as we discuss what may have been comics' first large crossover event. And how much does Adam Morlock and Thanos appear in this story that it warrants a two-part episode? Why, they both appear in one panel each in Avengers 118, the last part of the story. Yes, one panel. Shut up. It's an awesome story, and I recommend if you haven't read it before, you go find it now. And now that I've said that, I'm going to spoil the story for you. The Avengers Defenders War Ran from issues 115 to 118 of Avengers, and issues 8 through 10 of The Defenders. They had a cover dates of September 1973 to December 1973, and they were on sale between June 19th and September 11th of that year. Cover price for all these issues was 20 cents, and the writer for all these was Steve Englehart. The art was by Bob Brown and Sal Busima. Inking these books was Mike Esposito, Frank McLaughlin, Frank Giacoa, and Frank Bull. The letterers were Gene Simic, John Costanza, June Braverman, Tom Orszewski, Gaspar Saladino, Charlotte Jetter, and Artie Simic. Coloring was by Stan Goldberg, Petra Goldberg, and George Rousseau. Editing all this mess was Roy Thomas, and the cover art for these issues was by John Romita Sr., Mike Esposito, John Costanza, Bob Brown, Gaspar Saladino, and Sal Busima. Before this story, the Black Knight had been turned to stone while assisting the Defenders, made up of Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Submariner, Silver Surfer, Valkyrie, and Hawkeye. They are trying to cure him and believe they have been contacted by the Knight's spirit, telling them that the assembled pieces of the Evil Eye will cure him. In reality, this is the team of Loki and the Dread Romanu impersonating him. While this is happening, the Avengers, currently made up of Captain America, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Iron Man, Thor, Swordsman, Mantis, and Black Panther, are checking on the Knight, since he never responded to their recent summons for assistance. Tracing the Knight to Doctor Strange's residence, they see the Stone Knight. In typical Bronze Age Marvel fashion, both teams learn enough of what is going on to be both searching for the evil eyepieces, but they think the other team has turned evil. Since the pieces of the eye have been scattered around the world, both teams split up to search for them, and take on each other. Captain America faces off against Namor, the Vision and Scarlet Witch against Silver Surfer, Iron Man vs. Hawkeye, Swordsman vs. Valkyrie, Mantis and the Black Panther vs. Doctor Strange, and of course, Thor vs. Hulk. For the most part, the Defenders are able to defeat the Avengers until Namor decides they need to think, yes, Namor, and not blindly fight, and talks to Captain America, yes, still that Namor. Finally talking to each other, the two teams realize they've been actually set up and take on Loki and Dramato together. At the end, everyone has been taken out except for the Scarlet Witch, who is able to cause the reassembled Evil Eye to focus on the villains, scattering the atoms of Dormammu, for now, and causing Loki to go mad. Oh, and the knight is still stone, although he does get turned back human in the next issue of Defenders after the story ends.
Groot, Monarch of Planet X, Drax the Destroyer, Gamora, the Deadliest Woman in the Galaxy, Rocket, Security Chief of Half-World, Star-Lord, Not 100% Dick. Who are these heroes before they became the Guardians of the Galaxy? Join us in the Cosmic Tales podcast as we explore their origins and more. Warning, Cosmic Tales podcast contains high quantities of Thanos the Mad Titan, Pip the Troll, Adam Warlock, the Infinity Gems, Captain Marvel, and other cosmic entities. Cosmic Tales are not suitable for any purpose for Earth-based life forms. So, yeah, really great Thor and Hulk fight. We get it. We get an awesome splash page that is only marred by the fact that there are freaking captions on it. Oh. Well, because this is still the Bronze Age, and you still don't have a whole, whole lot of, di- of wordless panels in this at this point. Now, I'd like to note at the bottom about saying, you know, if you want, you know, use this for a pinup, I just wish the captions on the top, they had done in the same type of caption on the bottom, where you can cut that caption on the bottom off, and it doesn't affect the page at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But the other ones, you can't cut straight across without cutting off part of the cover, part of the, the hammer release. Exactly. Now, if they had done a little strip up top, that would have been perfect to make this like a splash page for someone to cut out, cut those little strips off, and put up somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and they're grappling and they're sweating and they're they're it's just it's basically arm wrestling only full body arm wrestling yeah. and and real good use of the impact lines to frame the scene so that you really do get this sense of massive physicality out of this image god bless uh this is bob, i think that this this is bob brown no or, this is salbacema this, this is a defender's issue so it's salbacema and and the inker is a uh, frank ball and no. uh, good on them. Good I want to say my, them because... my favorite panel of all this, though, is the page before the splash page. The le- the next to last panel, with the Hulk just completely pissed off. Yes, yes. Well, I that's mean, what I was saying before. He that almost looks the like Hulk's a dick face. kill Hulk there. He almost like what? Yeah. Almost looks like a dick kill Hulk there. Oh, I haven't seen too I can't, I'm trying to remember dick kill Hulk. I, don't, I haven't seen too much of that one. He has like, the really pronounced eyebrows and... Yeah, but like he, yeah. So, oh, if that's the case, then yeah. But I mean, he is like he has like no eyes almost. They're just like these tiny, tiny little dots. Like his brain is gone. He is just angry. That's that's true. I mean, he's when scary you, there. When you go on to the next page, the pa- the panel at the bottom where the, uh, the combined might of the Avengers and the, the Defenders showed up. If they ever do invent time travel, I'm going back to 1973, and I am paying Steve Englehart good cash money to change Doctor Strange's line in that panel to Thor. We would have words with thee. Because <laughs> <laughs> come on, that look at the impact of that panel just visually. That would be the perfect accompaniment in my mind. But of course, I am poisoned by the '90s, so yeah. Yes, but that's a great line. But um, oh, but you reminded me because I said originally I want to go back to something about the art. John, I noticed like as I'm reading these, I'm like, oh, Bob Brown, I know who that is now because he did hey, art for all the Avengers issues. Yep. Because I had no idea who this guy was until I never heard of him until we he was doing a few issues of a Warlock. And we, ah. start, we start talking about him. We're like, oh, and he he had died like just a few a year or two later, actually. Now this is the beginning of his career at Marvel. Um, he had he has some time left. Oh, he does. I thought he was closer to death here, but we talked about his death on the episode. But I think he's a little ways out. Okay, maybe that's wrong. that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, but I was like, oh, I, I like his stuff on Avengers here. Yeah. So then everybody comes together and tells their stories and puts all the cards on the table. Mm-hmm. And and all the deceptions that happen at the beginning are all laid out and laid bare. Um, 
I do find it interesting that Loki lied to the Avengers, but for the purposes of what we would call a good thing. Well, sort of. I mean, he didn't want, he didn't care if Earth was going to be destroyed. He just didn't want Asgard destroyed because that's right. it. He, it's like the same thing as Dr. Doom. You know, it's like, but that's mine. It's right. supposed to be mine, not anyone else's. So, yeah, sort of good. But that's why he said they're evil, because he's like, yeah, I just want you to kill them so they can't do anything. Right. So now they realize they've both been lied to. They, uh, they probably don't have all the cards that we have, but but they figured all out. And they have they have like a little little social gathering, and Cap's talking to the Vision and Silver Surfer, and Mantis is... Well, I like uh, for the most part, they're all talking to who they were fighting. It's like they're all making up, because you got Iron Man and Hawkeye. you got Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Mantis. Lounging slinkily against the table. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's and by the, the way, here are my legs that are barely covered. And she's leaning on the panel border. We have yeah, Vision, Scarlet Witch. Well, let's let's and, let's uh, face it, especially by the Herper. standards of especially by the standards of the time, Mantis's uh, physical appearance was extremely yeah slinky. Let's 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 put it that way. She. I was, know she reminds me of. Did you um, old Star Trek episode called "What Are Little Girls Made Of"? Uh, and uh, there's an actress there who wears this outfit that doesn't have the grass skirt, but it mm-hmm. does have a cut that like 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 is open on the sides like that, and it's 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 an interesting thing to see. Yep. Mm. The other only other thing that I find interesting about this sort of uh, powwow is the fact that uh, Thor. Where where is Thor during all of this? Oh, uh, it's true. He's not there. Actually, the because thing I- this is their powwow where they go then and go. Oh, that's right. There's no. Hope oh, for right, Thor. right, right. Okay, okay. That makes sense because I'm I'm looking here and I'm thinking, why isn't Thor like that. quite quite interested in the existence and presence of Valkyrie? This is the first time he's seen her, unless I'm mistaken. As far as I know, yeah. And by the way, Valkyrie, if you notice, I like how on this page, I don't know if he couldn't think of what to do with her or it was supposed to be a representation of how like so new she is as not just a defender but as a person. Mm-hmm. But she is stiff as a board rigid. That is true. She's Everyone else is there. talking and in some kind of, you know, sta- in a way that feels nat- looks natural, even if it's like Captain America or Swordsman with their hands behind them. And yet Valkyrie's like straight up, arms at her sides. Legs no, 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 check her out. She, her, from our perspective, left knee is bent a little forward, and her arm that goes behind the swordsman, you can see that it's resting on her, on her. Yes, sword. yes. So she is a little bit casual. Uh, okay, maybe. Yeah, also, you're right. I mean, that's, that's a really awkward outfit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and to have a sword with it is, is probably just kind of hard to stand casually. Yeah. And I like that as they are inside, like all of this, Captain America is still holding his shield. It's like, <laughs> there is absolutely no, like, sort of at-ease soldier going on in this panel. Yeah, he's like, letting like a sucker go. <laughs> well, I think he's like Thor's hammer. He just never lets it go. If he, if he lets go of his shield for more than two issues, he becomes Steve Rogers again. Yeah, like puny Steve Rogers, which uh, can I, again, complete side tangent, but having, like, within the last week read the uh, Death of Captain America storyline, um, the, the, there's a bit in there after he is uh, killed where his bullet-riddled body has, has, has reverted to, you know, skinny pre-serum Steve Rogers, and that is one of the most haunting images I ever did see. I think the art was by Steve Epting, and I give whoever it was super uh, credit for that one. I but, think it was Epting. That that is that is a hell of a of a that, that that's that's a funny thing to contemplate is if he lets the shield go for too long. <laughs> it turns back into skinny Steve. Into skinny Steve Rogers. 
into CG Chris Evans. Wait a minute, that's uh, oh, yes. bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, the next well, stage. The, I'm sorry, go on, John. The current Captain America run where he's old is he skinny old or soldier serum? Uh, is he still have his buff body old? You know, I have not like found the link into that yet. The way I've been reading, it's like I'm reading Brubaker's run in which, you know, he's, he's, he does come back. I haven't quite gotten to the part where he's to the, to the reborn storyline yet. Um, at where I am, but I'm reading that. And then there's also like, he's, it's got to happen in his own book, uh, like at the beginning of the Hickman Avengers run, where he is full on Steve Rogers, Captain America, super soldier. And then like the later appearances during the time runs out storyline where he is old. And frankly, I haven't read any like he just turns up old in Hickman Avengers at some point And whatever event causes that, which has got to be in his own book, I haven't read. So I can't comment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's development in his own book because it's part of why uh, Sam Wilson takes over. Okay, yeah, Yeah, which I'm that's on my list, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I haven't either, but based on images I've seen of him, I have to kind of assume it's probably Super Soldier, old Cap, because he looks too, too good a shape still. I mean, to be uh, to be as old as they have him being. It's not quite a House of M, Steve Rogers, uh, if you can remember his. yeah, he, did, he doesn't look there. that horrible. So I have to assume he probably has it's still it's still there. It's still a super soldier version of him because he looks in too okay. good a shape. Mm-hmm. So I just ha- I haven't seen or ha- or can't recall seeing any images of him in the old form now. But um but once everybody's all on the same page together, that brings us to actually you know what is theoretically the focus issue of the story because it's the one that actually has Adam Warlock and Thanos in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, but mm-hmm. actually, before that, real quick, my favorite part of that the issue before was the uh, right after the splash page is the realization of oh crap, Thor, Hulk. Like I love how they have this nice little power together. All of a sudden, they just go, uh oh. Oh wait a second. We forgot the two big guys. Mm-hmm. They're duking it out. <laughs> um, yeah crap and you see everyone just <laughs> run <laughs> it's like uh-oh that just made me laugh as i'm reading this i'm like uh-oh we made a mistake <laughs> it's a great but, running shot of the of the two teams though i love how hawkeye's like clambering up on the surfboard <laughs> yes yeah no silver surface pulling him up as they go you're right i remember that at the beginning of the next of the next issue in the saga which is the uh avengers issue they give a little they actually go out of their way on the splash page at the beginning of the issue to give a shout out to bob brown for you know they considered his over and above really great work on the on the issue and i'm saying i think you got to give equal props to sal Buscema, who's like you look at this issue and you look at these group shots and the way he's composing trying to fit all of these avengers and defenders into one narrative and just from a visual storytelling perspective i think he deserves every bit as much credit uh they did not uh for whatever reason they didn't go out of their way for him the way they did for brown in the next in the avengers issue so just belatedly hey sal great job (laughs) yes no i agree i agree i love the art in both i love the art in both these books i mean it was good and the fact is very how does how does each of you say the name of the doctor strange villain who's in charge of all this i say dormammu Al? Um, I'm looking at to see what the best way is. I have to go with Dormammu. Dormammu? I've always said Dormammu too, mm-hmm. but then I was watching Avengers Assemble recently, and they were saying Dormammu. Mm. I don't know why you would watch is. that show. Sounds no. weird. Dormammu. Yeah. Dormammu. yeah. But I mean, I guess Dormammu. 
I mean, I guess maybe they're trying to make it sound more exotic, but I mean, as long as I've been, as long as I've been aware of the fireheaded dude, I've always like in my head heard Dormammu. Yes, same here. But then again, okay. I'm not always correct because in my head it's always been Magneto, and I'm no. sorry because I don't know. I know what a magnet is. I don't know what a magnet is. So it's still I still change it to Magneto in my head no matter what I hear. Uh, I I have been unable to do that ever since my uh, younger days reading the uh, the the annuals or whatever uh, issues had the X babies in them and uh, uh, little Wolvie kept calling uh, him Maggie Nito. So that that was that. that was sort of the that sort of cemented everything in my head. Well, my daughter was in a play over the summer called um, uh, Adventures of a Comic Book Artist, and <laughs> all the characters just, are nerds. Can we just take a moment and 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 give praise that we live in a world where there is a play called Adventures of a Comic Book Artist? <laughs> that just made my day. So, that just made my whole day. Yeah. Thank you. It, it, it was a really, really fun little play, and um, some, several of the characters are just standing around nerding about comics, and they mention Magneto. And the actress who has to say Magneto couldn't stop saying Magneto. Oh, dear. So, yes. like, every rehearsal, she they had to fix it or, or she had to redo it. And actually, when she said it, she said it right for the performance, but I could, like, see the effort on her face to make herself say it right. Victory! Exactly. <laughs> one, <laughs> one last tangent as regards uh, Dormammu, which is that uh, I'm sure it would gratify Warren Ellis greatly to know that he's actually forever ruined Dormammu for me, thanks to uh, Next Wave and the appearance of that, I can't even remember how they changed his name slightly, the, the Master of the Dank Dimension. And all he was interested in was money and suicide girls. And it was, it was this genius parody and it was only like two issues, but it was so well done. And Ellis is so funny when he turns on his, his, his comedy writing chops that that just made like ruined Dormammu forever. Cause now whenever I see him there with his fire, I hear ranting about suicide girls in his, in his head, <laughs> in my head, you know, it's been too long since I read next wave. I gotta read that again. I love that yeah. series. I read it for the first time for the uh, 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast, and um, I'd never even heard of it before that. Oh, so good. So good. It's just every bit of it just makes me like, like that is my sense of humor tied up with a bow and encapsulated in 12 perfect little comic book issues. That is my entire sense of humor right there. It's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, that is my last tangent on Dormammu, the fire-headed uh, sicko. <laughs> so we, Avengers, yeah, we're up now to the actual re- issue that actually has the reason for being this podcast, Avengers 118, which mm-hmm. is the climax for the most part of the story. And actually, look at that opening shot, like every single person has a fist raised except for yes. those who have magic hands. Yes, yes, <laughs> true that. Yeah, no, I like I like Mantis's sort of like getting ready to do a dive off the high board uh, pose there. That is very um, like she is like I don't know what she's about to do, but she's about to do something. And Black she's Panther. actually doing a dance. She's about to take a step to the side, and McGarrow's go exactly the same way the other direction. Ah, okay. Like okay. And Black Panther looks like he has spirit fingers or jazz hands or something. <laughs> He's about to tickle Submariner. Yes, yes. <laughs> tickle behind him, and uh, I don't know. Valkyrie is Valkyrie has her her sword up in the air, and she she should wait before she swings it because both Hawkeye and Captain America are in her. Yeah, yeah. She's about to decapitate the pair of them, yeah. right? Whoops. And 
And and just the last note I will make, Iron Man is frowning. Iron Man's mask is frowning. Yes. Which I've always <laughs> I've always sort of like been on the lookout for like the weird and apparently flexible rules regarding how much expression Iron Man's uh, face plate can 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 show. Well, it's like Spidey's mask. Yeah, no, that's true. That, Where you get the really true. little eyes and you get the big wide eyes and you're like, but, or yeah, but that was not a thing until like the 90s or later. Yeah. I mean, 60s and 70s, Spidey never emoted. Um, no, that's that's true. It was really only when uh, Ultimate Spidey started to do that brilliant, like, one eye, like, basically raised eyebrow mask look that I was just like, oh, okay, that, that that's interesting. How does that work? Well, that, I just I, reminded them. Well, it was the, no, John's right, though, it was the 90s, because that was McFarlane that started doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Amazing yeah. 300, so. Mm-hmm. I really feel like this is like a photographer who's, like, getting them all to pose and say, okay, everyone shot to the death, to the death, and he takes a picture. I know, right? And he's up on, oh my god, because my wife has actually done this. She has uh, worked as a photographer where she has had to take uh, shots of, like, performing groups and whatever. And, like, yes, I can totally picture, like, okay, now Valkyrie, sword a little further back, just a little further back. It's not quite in the shot. And <laughs> okay. now, in this particular take, Hawkeye's a little bit in a weird position, but it's been the yeah. 17th time they've done it, so they're just going to go with it. Right, no, if he, if he, if he's going to have to sit down in a minute, that's the only way he can hold himself upright, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, his bow is big enough, maybe he's using that as like, kind of like balance. It's keeping him from falling, because the bow, bottom of the bow is on the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, in his quiver, he brought, he brought his ton of bricks arrow, yes. so it's just really weighing <laughs> down. Don't mock, they're very important arrows. <laughs> But yeah, it looks like next time they finally get this picture done, it's going to be like, okay, guys, now, fun picture. Ah. <laughs> I know, you just want to see the outtakes, right? Yeah, Hawkeye has the devil horns behind, you know, Iron Man's head. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would, being an Iron Man, originally an Iron Man villain, he would totally be the one to do that, right? And the issue before, they still were bickering a bit. Everyone else was making up, and Hawkeye and Iron Man were bickering. With Haw- mm-hmm. Hawkeye, and then Hawkeye and Swordsman were bickering. Hawkeye was just bickering of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkeye's still cranky. And then the next page is a, is a, is a splash too. Did you notice that? Like two splashes in a row. Yeah, yeah. That's a splash of. Then we see where they are. Mm-hmm. And that's L.A. Mm-hmm. And and it's like hell. I wonder if this is like a conscious choice or or if this is a limitation of Bob Brown's visual imagination. All because I know he he's drawn them in other things. Um, all of his all of his like demons like look like in some way shape or form like Badoon to me. Little bit. <laughs> you know, so I'm just wondering, like, you know, like how much latitude did they give him to be creative well, with these very, demon shots? For the most part, they're very lizardy. Although I do like the chick that's turning into a lizard, or she's half mm-hmm. lizard on the bottom mm-hmm. of the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is she crawling in pain or in seduction of uh, big Mr. Little Legs up there? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not also really sure. Wonder- is it wrong also- to find her hot? No, no, not at all. But also, okay, I'm good. trying to wonder how did the upper part of her dress get torn that way? <laughs> that's just that I'm not I'm not sort of seeing that part of the equation, but all right, you know, I'm still oh, we'll give it to him. But actually, one the one monster, the white monster that's right above Doctor Strange, he looks more doggy than lizardy. No, that's true. He looks like uh, Falco from uh, Neverending Story. Oh Falco. yeah, you know, like like small, but writ writ very small. <laughs> Falco, that's Rayu. <laughs> that's Rayu. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Okay. So the big. So so this is but but the because I think this uh, issue was a little longer. Uh, Avengers one eighteen. I think it was like thirty two pages or something like that. 
Uh, I recall the, the page counts the same. The story no, it's still page 19. count might be different. Okay, okay. It's nineteen pages. No, I have I have nineteen pages uh-huh. on here because I just have the issue the, the pages of the story itself from the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Okay, yeah, yeah there's yeah, just nineteen yeah. pages of story. Okay, okay. But uh, can I just tell you, like, at first I was irritated when, when Nick Fury showed up because he seems like there's sometimes he does appear to get used as the deus ex machina in every Marvel story. It's like, we're back against the wall. What are we going to do? Oh, here comes the cavalry led by Nick Fury. But it all is forgiven when uh, the, the Countess turns into a demon. And, yeah. like, that is just like, okay, no, now it's all cool. That's all good. And really, I mean, they, they, they had a bandage on his head and Cap's like, you shouldn't be here. Nick Fury is laid up and immobile in Captain America at this point. Oh, wow. He, yeah. I, so he really shouldn't be up and about. Yeah. And at least they're not used to save everything. They're just used to like, okay, we're going to fight off the monsters here while you guys go. Yeah. Although oh. I'm not really sure why, because they don't really show, here's the thing. They don't really show people fight being attacked by the monsters it's not like half the people there are monsters they're all just the monsters right so it's like the only reason the monsters are fighting you is because you're not monsters if you yeah, great go- you showed up and gave them targets jesus yeah. it's like event if the avengers and the defenders leave to go fight dramamu the monsters are just gonna be wandering around on their own until somebody else comes who's not, not a monster mm-hmm. that's true it's like i'm not it's like not like i mean maybe they meant for it but it's not like we really see them fighting each other like oh my god he's they're gonna kill each other and they don't realize they're just people maybe it's just to cover their six you know so that the monsters don't follow them. well no because they don't even walk away they're just vamoose yeah so it's kind of unneeded i guess at the time they're just like i mean i could see shield just going oh crap we gotta go here something's happening and then they're there and they start fighting but mm-hmm. looking at, at it from same- here you don't really need them like nope not needed <laughs> they don't really need them but at the same time if this really is a worldwide actually dimension-wide phenomenon um having more people show up to address the issue does make sense no and that's the thing though it does make sense why they would show up but they're really not needed at all there they're not sure they're helping although this is you know going further to establish nick as the alt as the bamf of the uh, marvel universe it's like nothing keeps that nothing keeps this guy down <laughs> Oh, my As girlfriend you, got turned into a monster? Shoot her. Yeah. Well, what's weird is that even though even though everyone's turning into monsters, everyone except for the superheroes, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we get page 17 where all the superheroes are up against monsters on various planets and worlds, and they're the only ones who aren't monsters. Mm. So maybe even though we don't see them a lot or at all, maybe there are actually civilians... Yeah, you know, being that targeted could be. by these monsters because otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's a weird thing. Like Peter Parker's just like walking to school one day and everyone's a monster all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So he turns mm-hmm. into Spider Man, and the, the question becomes, well, why isn't he a monster? Now, here's my question: Does this? I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching it, or maybe this could actually work. I mean, it probably was not obviously their intention. Their intention was just let's show the superheroes fighting the monsters. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were thinking about it. But Doctor Strange does say a spell which keeps them from turning into monsters, and it says. Save those who strive with me from turning to beasts. Ah. Now, could that just be literally, I mean, literally just the people with him right there? Or does it mean anyone who's fighting the monsters? So if you start fighting the monsters before you turn, you don't You're, turn. You fall under the aegis of the of strangest spell. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Or am I just pulling, gonna, a little too much, pulling too much out of my butt? No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. You get a no prize. Yeah, I guess the demons of Dinak decided to, to extend his meaning. To all the other superheroes. Yes. 
because in most things I've read about magic, magic's very like almost like a literal thing. Like there's a very much like it doesn't matter what other rules there are if the magic's doing this and that's what it is. Like the rules for gremlins is you don't feed them after midnight. If you really think about it too much, you're like, well, where midnight is and what if they go time zones and all that, all that other stuff. And when does mi- it says don't feed them after midnight, but it doesn't say when do you start feeding them again. But if you just go as a rule of magic, then it's like you it's midnight. That's all that matters. You know, because magic is very- one of those rules. that's not really a rule because Doctor Strange is pretty. Uh, I mean, his magic rarely follows any set patterns or rules. Mm-hmm. And basically, eventually, it just becomes laser beams from his hands. Well, yeah. yes, yes. But and I would also just like to point out on this page of all the heroes fighting the the the, the demons. This is actually pretty cool in a way because you look at the single panel of the Fantastic Four, the single panel of uh, Spider-Man or or Ghost Rider, the Inhumans, and the fact is at this time, if you were not reading Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four. Uh, or, or, or Luke Cage, Power Man, uh, you would re- you would see this panel, and in just one panel, with one or two lines of dialogue, Engelhart does manage to give enough of a sense of what these characters are about, that you might pique a reader's interest to go check out their books. So I have to say, you know, insofar as this is a, this one page really expands the crossover of this story, it also does a pretty good job, maybe a little bit of cross-promotion there for Marvel, whether or not he meant it to. Uh, I would be like, I, if I was reading this at the time, I'd be curious after this. No, I'm actually curious. I wonder if, if we made a list of all the characters and groups who have feature titles in publication right at this moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like how many didn't get hit, you know? Because mm-hmm. Luke Cage and um, uh, Kazar, Kazar the Man is, is Thing, yep. Doctor Doom, Dracula is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, lot, the Inhumans are there. There's a lot of coverage here. I think it's a great way to... It, it, it was awesome of him to encapsulate so much of the Marvel Universe in this one page. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. pretty much everyone, at least at the time they were drawing it, had a series, I think. Like, I don't know about the Inhumans. Obviously, yes, FF and Spidey. I, and I, Luke Cage has started up already, I know. I think Kazar might have been in between series at that point. I don't know if he had his thing going in like a Marvel feature, whichever or the anthology books Tales. he was running. Astonishing Tales I thought was 1970. I thought that ran in like 70 into maybe into 71. I think by 73, uh, Kazar's uh, part of that book was done. Because I mean, Warlock, but I could be wrong. Warlock had ended just a month or two before, just two months before. So when he was drawing this, Warlock would have still had a book to come out. And I think, I'm pretty sure Tomb of Dracula had already started at this point. And oh, yeah, yeah. Supervillain sure. Team-Up, I think, was going on, which is probably why we have Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mike, my, my only real questions really was, I guess, Kazar, Man-Thing, and uh, the Inhumans, if they had anything going on at the currently or not. Because I know Thanos, this is actually right in the middle of the whole, this is between issues 29 and 30 of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is right in the between all the whole Thanos war, so... Those are the three I'm questioning whether or not they had a series going on or not. I would assume they did, or maybe they were planning it. I also think it's neat how this particular month of publication, because all these characters appear in this one moment in the battle, every single series of these characters stopped their ongoing narratives to do one issue where they cross over and tie in. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, not so much. Yeah. Well, you know, it would have been Warlock number nine, but unfortunately that got canceled. Uh, right, right, sadly. He has an excuse. 
So backing up just a little bit, the Watcher shows up. Yeah, in his in his in his weird seventies fat man form. Well, this is but not his twenty foot tall baby form. <laughs> this one, Watcher discovered Country Home Buffet, and yeah, okay, he hits that place way too often because it's cheap, and you know, when you're just watching, you're on a budget. That's true, and, and he it, is he is sworn never to interfere, but not never to eat. Yes, <laughs> it's interesting because he's there are two different Watchers in Marvel history, and I didn't I didn't realize. Because a lot of people think of early Watcher, the one who's sworn never to interfere but always freaking interferes. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yes. later Watcher just shows up and stares creepily while everything goes down. Yeah. And I actually have read the story that I think is the transition between those two. But if you continue to read Captain Marvel, Al, you're going to get to a story called The Trial of the Watcher. Ah. And that is where the Watcher gets called to task by his own people for constantly interfering. And I've seen him show up once or twice after that, and he stands there silently while events happen. Well, he is trying to be the silent, creepy, standing-and-watching guy here. He's trying to be. Dormammu keeps giving him shit, but... Yeah, (laughs) that's Dormammu. But I almost wonder if that was him intentionally trying to be distracting to Dormammu, because his distraction does help a few times. Mm-hmm. So I almost wonder if that's him trying to be good, so to speak, as a watcher, but, you know, causing, you know, still interfering because his Dormammu seeing him causes a reaction. So it does affect it. I just want to do just a brief moment of out of context theater here. Copyright Michael Bailey. Um, <laughs> Dormammu turns and screams by my sister. It is the yes. watcher. Calm yourself, Dormammu. I will not molest you. Yes. <laughs> so he swears by his sister, and he's like, nope, not going to hurt you. Don't worry. So I don't, I don't know what that means, but, I but it's there. I was curious who Dormammu's sister is. Like, that's his oath there, by my sister. And I'm thinking, is Dormammu's sister someone that... His sister's Umar. It? Isn't his sister Umar? Which oh, he actually yes. He actually says says her name is another expl- uh, expletive at some other point in the story. I think it's earlier on, but yeah, that's her name. Well, like, Odin point- swears by his own beard. When yes. people swear by his beard. So yeah. people swear by Dormammu, so Dormammu has to swear by his own sister. Okay, okay. Because going by me sounds stupid. Yes. Oh, and, but you see, at this point, I'm sort of, I'm sort of ignoring people's oaths to an extent, because like, now at this point, from, from, from Doctor Strange, we've not only gotten the, the classic by the hoary hosts of Hoggoth, but also, uh, Vipers of Valtort at least twice. And I'm like, I'm like, are like, is there a Doctor Strange Bible that they're consulting for legitimate oaths, or are they just doing what, like, are the, whatever proto D and D syllables are in their head? Are they just assembling them together uh, in ways, whatever ways they want? I'm just uh, curious. You know, I'm fairly certain option B. Okay. Okay. Oh, look, I'm just looking at the page now. I almost forgot. Have we noticed how many times? Because I see them used a couple times. That both Foom mm-hmm. and Crom are used mm-hmm. as sound effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. a couple times throughout this story, throughout this whole story, Foom and both, Crom both have both have other meanings in the Marvel uh, uh, world of Marvel. So, especially in the seventies, in the, especially in the seventies, exactly. Um, I I did, was not actually noticing that, but now that you mention it, now I can't not look at it. Yeah, I can't look away. So we get near the uh, the ending of this after they take care of the mindless ones, and mm-hmm. um, 
the the Avengers now get taken out at the end. It's like, okay, you're all done now. It's the Avengers book. Let them win. What I like here is uh, when the Silver Surfer says, uh, when when Mantis says, this one senses, I like that we're actually watching her speech morph over the course of this storyline into the classic, this one uh, uh, patterns of speech that we know Mantis uses. Like, yes. But when when the storyline started, she was still not set, referring to herself as this one. So this one senses only 20 minutes left to us now, and the Silver Surfer goes, and we have not yet even encountered Dormammu. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, it's 1973. There's no such thing as a video game yet, and already they're they're thinking like in terms of a boss battle. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they finally get to Dormammu, and like we said, the defenders get taken out pretty damn quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because this is an Avengers book, nothing can uh, before the before the uh, uh, assault of Avengers Assemble, nothing can stand. Yes. Well, you remember this is after all the 10th anniversary of the Avengers we are celebrating. That is true. That is yeah. true. So it makes sense that they would be like that. It would be designed to have the Avengers be the ultimate victors of the. Although they they did get to do their Care Bear stare together a few pages earlier. <laughs> They, they, they all combine together. Or maybe that's the, the Power no. Rangers combined attack. Yeah, I like the Care Bear stare, but yeah, that's right, when they fight the mindless ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you got, what, Swordsman, Iron Man, Surfer, Strange, Thor, and Vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Which all, all doing their projectile thing. So. And, and then, yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that Dormammu transformed Iron Man and Thor into their civilian forms. yes. Because one thing that Steve Englehart's going to do with the Avengers is have Iron Man and Thor figure out each other's identities secretly where no one else knows that they know. Actually, that yes. just happened. One fifteen. Yeah, that it oh, just, has it just happened. Or yeah, when the vi- right before this story, one of the issues right before where the Vision gets hurt we had talked about earlier, they're, they're at Stark's plant. It's T'Challa because he's, you know, that's smart. Don, Dr. Donald Blake and Tony Stark working on the vision to save him. And at one point, it's more of the Donald Blake and so Iron, Tony Stark said, I'm going to go find Iron Man to help. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he helps in the fight, and then he comes back and actually Thor's needed. And he's like, hey, Don, yeah, why don't you go see if you can find Thor in the same room that Iron Man, I found Iron Man in. Tell him hi. And then and then both of them think, oh, so he knows. Why did I not think of that before? Kind of. Yeah. A, kind of yeah. So well, then, then, literally okay, then Doctor happened. Strange's phrasing later is a little bit weird because he says, take charge of your half-brother Thor while I erase the knowledge of your identity and Iron Man's from each other's minds. Now, he means all the minds of the rest of the people. Exactly. But the way he exactly. phrases it, it's almost like you and Iron Man will no longer know who each other is until yeah. you feel revealed them to each other. Well, so, I, he doesn't know that, though. I mean, that kind of, again, fits with the whole thing of Doctor Strange's He's kind of like, he is a bit of a jerk at times. He's just like, oh, okay, yeah, I, secret identity. So, okay, I'm going to wipe it away. I mean, for all he knows, they've told each other years ago. Right. Nothing is said here to, like, uh, uh, Doc, you might want to check this, because the other Avengers and each other, we don't know this. He just knows he doesn't know it. Right. Then you get to a thing like like during the brand new day era of Spider-Man, where he goes on an adventure with the Fantastic Four and Human Torch is like, no, 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 wait a second. Yes. <laughs> I used to know who you are. Right, right. I, I, I used to know this. I remember knowing this, and now I, I no longer know it. What the hell, Spider-Man? Yeah. I loved, I mean, I loved that. I mean, now, admittedly, Spider-Man, the entire, like, history of Spider-Man, with the exception of most of the 90s, but we won't even get into that, um, is, like, my home base 
of of comic fandom and i am one of the few people on the face of the planet earth who has reconciled himself to and is at peace with the brand new day era and all of that i remain as big a spider-man fan as ever i was but that's specifically where he reconnected in that sort of personal way with the fantastic four and they had those sort of meta memories of their history with him like i found that some of the most gratifying comic reading i had been doing up until that point myself so you know i love that uh, just for the record, but um, I, I remember that one. I did like that, and yeah, no, yeah, that, I had some trouble reconciling with that whole brand new day. At least until Dan Slott did Spider Verse and started using Spider Ham, and I'm like, Spidey, you're home. Everything's <laughs> okay. Everything's forgiven. I got the pig. But but real quick, um, uh, what we have is uh, when he when John was talking about the uh, Iron Man and Don Blake, you know, sort of knowing each other's uh, uh, identities. I'm sitting there. I actually often wonder that when I'm reading these Bronze Age issues of Avengers or even Iron Man. And, you know, I think to myself, I'm so used to the other Avengers calling Iron Man Tony. I am so used to them knowing that Tony Stark is Iron Man, you know, and being cool with it. Like, like, okay, nobody else knows, but we know and it's all good. Like, and I, I literally I still have not found exactly when uh, Iron Man revealed his secret identity to the other Avengers. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I need to I need to look that up because I, you know it, it's funny you read this stuff and and it, it, as you go through the history as as you know I know that you you do to a certain extent and I'm doing like haphazardly and I know that John also has his reading projects but as we work our way through the history of Marvel comics Marvel more so than more so than DC I don't think uh, DC. Uh, plays with its characters quite the same way. Um, you, you watch over the history of Marvel, like at the beginning, they, they treat the secret identity as sort of this sacred dirigor thing that they must do. They are making superhero comics. Superheroes have secret identities. So we must maintain the, the secret identity drama at all costs. And then as they go on, like in many instances, it sort of loosens up and you sort of realize, oh, Maybe secret identities aren't the most important thing. Yeah, and, you get more you characters know. like the X-Men, let's say, who become more mm-hmm. prominent after this, who really don't have secret identities. Exactly, exactly. You know? I so, mean, they're just not also, they kind of go with the fact is, yeah, no one really knows who we are. We you know we're not all going to be a celebrity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Iron Man's Tony Stark, he's a major celebrity. Don Blake was, well, not a major celebrity, but he was, well, he was known at least. You know, he was well like known such doctor, a, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you get to, I mean, granted, you already had the Fantastic Four starting this, of course. Right, right. They original. always had public identities. But, like, you know, a lot of these people, it's like, yeah, Wolverine's just, you know, guy named Logan. No one gives a crap. No, no, that is, that is true. Um, I guess I'm just uh, uh, talking about uh, just specifically... Specifically, uh, uh, Iron Man and, and his, uh, 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 oh god, I'm trying to, uh, lost my train of thought. Iron Man and, and revealing his identity to the other Avengers, and that is something I definitely wish to, I'm not uh, sure. look up exactly when that happened. I'm sure I could find it. But. I know it's, I think it's somewhere before Armor Wars, because I know, I'm, I think it's an issue of like West Coast Avengers that takes place after Armor Wars when they say, are you, they ask him, are you Tony Stark or not? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he's supposed to be a new Iron Man. Because mm-hmm. the whole thing about Armor Wars is that he blamed, you know, he said, oh no, the old Iron Man went crazy and he's dead now. I have a new Iron Man, don't worry, it's all <sighs> cool. I actually need to look that up because I recently read Armor Wars and I recently was reading another 
I don't know if it was part of the same run, a uh, bit where um, there was an island and 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 he Hawkeye was there in the in the in a Quinjet with Mockingbird. And they sort of watched Iron Man fly off and they were speculating about the guy inside or something like that. I, 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 I have to go back. I, I, this was a couple of months back and, you know, I've just, I've crammed so many comics into my eye holes that, uh, <laughs> Oh, speaking that of Hawkeye fat. though, have you read the, cause you said you didn't really were a fan of Hawkeye back then. Have you ever read yeah. the miniseries though? Not the only, the only, not the Grenwald one. The which one? The Grenwald series where he meets a uh, mocking, where he meets and Mary's Mockingbird. No, no, I have not. I have only read, uh, uh, like I said, I've only seen his Avengers, West Coast Avengers type appearances, side appearances, and then later, like, and now, um, his post-resurrection stuff in Avengers, New Avengers, and the Fraction series, so. I like him for the most part in West Coast Avengers and in the Hawkeye miniseries. I'll I'll give you West Coast Avengers. He's better in West Coast Avengers than, um, most in most of his history, I think because he's the putative leader of the West Coast Avengers. So for the one time in his entire history, he feels like he's getting the respect he deserves. <laughs> but he's just <laughs> such an insecure jerk that I that's true. Know. Maybe a little bit, especially since West Coast Avengers. I actually started reading that before Avengers even because mm-hmm. I was reading that mm-hmm. like it was like issue fifty sixty, like right after Burn left. Mm-hmm. And actually, I tried both of them, and actually, I was enjoying West Coast more than Avengers. I haven't gotten to the burn stuff in uh, in in West Coast yet. This uh, is right after I was burn. This is because Roy Thomas was writing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, "Ooh, this is good Avengers stuff." And Avengers book was still a little fluctuating; like it was still finding its feet of where it was going. Then I was still reading the very early stuff. I don't remember who was. I think it might have actually been Engelhart. Like he might have come back and was writing West Coast Avengers at that time. I feel like he was because uh, he I know was that writing that earlier. I'm pretty sure Al, Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott were doing the artwork, but I can't. I, I'm I'm almost positive it was Engelhardt who was writing West Coast in those very very early days. At the same time, I was reading like this is like when Under Siege was happening in the Avengers Zone books. Oh yeah, I'm talking about anyway. yeah, a little later, like when it was like Avengers three fifteen and they had like or three twenty and they were doing like you know those weird summer crossover six issues. Oh, crossover. Operation Galactic Storm. Oh no! This is earlier than that. Oh, oh, okay. That's like issue okay. three. There, there's a big gap between Understage and Galactic Storm. Okay, I well, no, I knew that. I just I, I lost track of the. <laughs> there's numbers. actually one that had a uh, the crossover. It was a six part one because Galactic Storm was nineteen. Okay. Yeah, this is a six part story. I'm thinking it was like three nineteen to three twenty five, and it took place like on a submarine, and it had like the Soviet super soldiers and Stingray and. Oh my. I just remember okay. being, being kind of bored with that, and meanwhile, like, Roy Thomas is, like, bringing in Spider-Woman and, you know, doing stuff with the West Coast Avengers, and I'm like, ooh, this is cool. Okay. <laughs> that that whole Hawkeye-Mockingbird dynamic that you mentioned earlier, it's, it's interesting how Hawkeye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of a weird guy, because he doesn't get used at all in his first couple of appearances in Avengers, he's just, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And so he gets to show up in Age of Ultron, but he's ultimate Hawkeye in that, with the wife and the kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um... Well, with a few flickers of the real, I mean, the original 616 Hawkeye, because that scene with Quicksilver, when he's muttering after him, that's totally Hawkeye. That's okay. totally 616 Hawkeye. But then you bring in Mockingbird in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, and the the Hawkeye-Mockingbird dynamic is filled in by Lance Hunter. Yes. Yes. Which yes. It, and it's, it feels like it's almost the same dynamic, it's just not Hawkeye. And that might be why I like Hunter so much, because yes, he's very much yes. Hawkeye. And Lord knows I love me some uh, Adrian Palicki-Mockingbird, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. I think anyway. she's much better suited to that role than she was to Wonder Woman. 
Oh yes. Oh, oh yes, yes. She does. She does snarky government agent well. She does. You know. She really does. But anyway, yeah, I, I was just, away for a second. Have we just been tangenting for a while, or did we move little, forward in the story? A little yeah. bit, because I had I had sort of said just as you as you left, I was sort of launching into saying um, we were commenting on the uh, revelation of. Stark and Blake to everyone and then Doctor Strange undoing it later on and I was saying how it's so weird to me to read these early like these Bronze Age issues of Avengers because everyone's still protecting their secret identity except for Captain America everyone's still protecting their secret identity almost like by habit rather than for any legitimate reason and I'm so used to the Avengers all the rest of the Avengers calling Iron Man Tony that it does get me wondering uh, I haven't answered this question for myself yet wondering exactly when just the Avengers learned that uh, Tony was Iron Man you know, when that okay, happens. yeah, I've been wondering that for the Avengers and for the Justice League as well. And I was actually kind of a bit miffed because there is a Justice League of America story where they do unmask for each other. And it's like oh. this big happy family moment, and it's all <laughs> mind-wiped at the end of the story. Oh, and no, I was a no, bit no. Miffed. Yeah. Oh, I would be, I would is be it pissed about that. No, she's not around yet. Oh, uh, okay. it's, it's a bad, something happens with a bad guy, and yeah, so... um they all find out each other's names, and it's a big happy moment that gets that gets lost. But I am curious. It's this thing with the '80s and '90s that is such a big um, blind spot for me, which is weird because that's the era I grew up and I got into comics in the early '90s. I just wasn't in them for very long, relatively speaking. I I started buying new comics in mid to late 1990, and I was done by '93. Uh, interesting, because so I, Maximum Carnage is actually what got me to stop buying comics. I had a very similar, I had a very similar uh, sort of arc because I started buying comics under my own steam in uh, 1985, and I was reading Spider-Man, and then I was reading X-Men, and then in '91, when Claremont left X-Men, is when I left comics, and I did not return to comics until a friend turned me on to Kabuki. In like '99, David Max Kabuki. So that, and then that led me off into tangents with like indie comics, like Strangers in Paradise, and you know at that time Bendis's indie stuff. And eventually that looped me back around the superhero comics. But you know I was only into them for, in hindsight, a relatively short time. Yeah, you know the first time around, as it were. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I kind of just stayed. I, I came in in '87, and then I kind of the only time I ever really could say left was when I did not actually have too mu- the money to buy something, but I usually at least was able to buy maybe one thing a month. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, I've been in constantly since 87. Well, that's why you are le- our leader at this time. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm you the person excellent. who needs the most help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, All right, hey. so we get to the end of the story where mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch is first targeted... But then she becomes basically the the victory stroke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that Scarlet Witch is possibly my favorite Avenger after Captain America. Maybe um, I don't I don't know what it is about her, but I I came back into comics in two thousand eight, whenever she was such a big mover and shaker force in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she was in the movie recently, and and. And she has the great history with the Vision, so she's one of those characters that, as I read the Avengers, she's a subplot that I'm always interested in seeing what she's going to do. So she gets covered in glue, 
Mm-hmm. Basically, and, it's, a, it's like gluey rain. Yeah, well, that's something I was going to comment on, which is Dormammu, who is the ruler of an entire damn dimension. He is this demonic, satanic, you know, uh, theoretically within, you know, certain limitations, all-powerful, magical being. And the best he can come up with is quicksand and rain, glue rain. That's the best he can come up with to fight off, like... These the Avengers. I I that was a little bit of uh you know maybe cynical too old for this stuff cynicalness in me but that one that that yanked me out of the story a little bit. Well, I kind of go with him just being overconfident because not only is he what you said which he is but he has the evil eye so he's even more powerful. But this is just kind of him going like oh really oh this is cute you're gonna fight me and he's not actually doing it. he's like yeah he's just kind of like shoving them back he's like this is adorable. Yeah, I'm going to turn you into monsters eventually, just crush you and kill you. But for now, let's see what happens if I shove you back that way. And I like how uh, Loki turns into a bee. And every time he does this, it has been so blasted long since the last time he did it that they have to remind you, by the way, Loki can do this. Yes, his longest yes. unused power since Thor 108. Uh-huh. And from from Thor 108, it was back to like 84, 85 or something. Whenever Loki first appeared, he turned into a bee. But I do mm-hmm. like the, I do like Loki. I do like the Loki. Uh, what's his name? Fight. Dramama. Loki. Loki. Yeah. Dramama, where oh. the evil eye gives him back his sight and takes away his mind. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's like Mephisto. But... Yes, I'll give you back your aunt, but I want your marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh... And with that, we, uh, we, 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 uh, the, and the, I like that the, the watcher is just standing there like, yeah, that, congratulations, you did it. Good. Like, like they needed him there to, to award the laurel to the victors or something like that. <laughs> it's just. I realize so, now uh, that we just barely mentioned the Adam Warlock and Thanos appearances earlier, we were just talking about everyone appearing. Everyone else, yes, yes. But they, no, the, they the, were there. They were there. Yeah. So whenever this, whenever this is- all of the superheroes were having to deal with with uh, monster demon people, um, Adam Warlock on Counter Earth and Thanos on Saturn's Moon Titan were mm-hmm. both also having to deal with monsters. And um, at the end, they even mentioned back how everyone. Let's see, what does it say? The day's query will be answered in just a few hours, Mr. Grimm, when the Avengers make a report to a wandering world. Everyone's going to find out what happened, except Warlock and the Titans and the Kree and the Skrulls, the Badoon, and other off-worlders will probably never know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> poor, poor saps. Oh, man. So just before Warlock got crucified, he had to deal with some aliens and has no clue why it happened. Yeah, well, that's, you know, all in a day's work for him. But... <laughs> He'll probably blame the man beast once he finds out it's the man beast. <laughs> Are these still at this? No, at this, at this point, is he still getting? A, is that still the uh, the mode that Warlock is in? Like the Counter Earth man beast, Roy Thomas, uh, uh, pseudo religious sort of stuff going on? Yes, yes. Warlock okay. issue eight has just happened recently. We have we were left on a cliffhanger with him fighting the man beast. So as as far as publishing goes the reader knows that the Man-Beast has been behind all of the bad stuff in Warlock series whenever they thought he was dead. But we're going to have to retcon this as being, you know, slightly earlier in his history where mm-hmm. he would not have known the Man-Beast was there yet because it doesn't really fit once the Man-Beast gets revealed. Yeah, this has mm-hmm. to happen between 7 or 8 or somewhere between the panels of 8, like before he goes to D- DC. 
Yeah, somewhere before the final match of issue eight. Because this, the cover date for this Avengers issue is December of '73, and the cover date for uh, Warlock Eight was October '73. In fact, I have an Avengers book. I'll be right back. Okay. Because yeah, so and like I said, it, this uh, November '73 is the cover date for Captain Marvel twenty-nine, and then January '74 was the cover date for thirty. Mm-hmm. So this takes place right between those. I even wonder if they were even talking to Starling, because, I mean, from what I saw from 28 going to 29, last we talked about it, he had the whole thing starting with Eon, so I almost wonder if he used Thanos, because maybe Starling was like, don't use Marvel, he's busy. Mm-hmm. He's in another mm-hmm. dimension. Okay, I have the official index to the Marvel Universe that Marvel was doing for the various series a, few, a handful of years ago. Oh, yes. And they stopped doing them, but they did do the Avengers, and you can get the paperback that collects all of the installments. Now I've just got to find... I'm on Avengers 118. I've got to find Warlock. Okay. Adam Warlock. Uh, this puts him last in number seven, so this would have to be during the pages of number eight. Okay. But not that he would know that. Right. <laughs> Poor guy. There is a hole in your mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, do we have other thoughts? Uh, just that um, I do have to say that once I was uh, at my wrap-up thoughts on it, uh, very uh, very quickly are uh, basically I am pleasantly surprised how once I had adjusted my my mental reading intake style for the the era in which this was published. This I, I did actually think this is deserving of the high reputation that it has within uh, comics history. Like, the Avengers Defenders War is always referred to as legendary. And, yeah, I think it deserves that reputation because it is pretty solidly put together, all things considered. And not just for the fact that it's the first time of something like this, although the fact no, that right, that doesn't hurt right. either, the fact that the, it's the first time, but it's actually a well, really well done first time. Yeah. I mean, the story flows, you know, to each other, and, where the fights are good. And for a setup that you would expect to be boring, it does a really good job of flowing the story. With, with like, the, the, the everyone splitting off to go find the, 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 the elements of the evil eye and, and fight their individual battles, you would expect that to be a repetitive, redundant story, but no, it doesn't feel that way at all. No, that's that's true. My, the one sort of caveat that I had is that uh, it is, I mean, even at this point, it, 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 I have to imagine it's getting to be a tired trope, the fact that the heroes are set at each other's throats by lies that they believe from villains. And so I can imagine that I, I would imagine that even in 73, that might have caused a couple of eye rolls. But as as we all pointed out, like the the execution thereafter is so solidly done that I was willing to go with it ultimately. At least it's only Loki lying to the Avengers, because remember, the, the defenders don't know it's Dramamu telling them this. They think it's the Black Knight telling them. No, that is true. That is so at least they, true. At least they didn't go fully on that, that they all believe the villains. It's mm-hmm. just the one group of them believing Loki, because, you know, why would Loki lie? He never lies. He's always telling yeah. the truth. We can believe anything he says. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. And just so anyone's wondering real quick, I'm not going to go much into the story, but in case anyone's wondering, in Defenders number 11, you actually do get them trying to use the evil eye to free the Black Knight, because that doesn't happen in the Defenders War at all, even though that's the whole point of it. We don't. There's no Black Knight at the end. He doesn't get cured. And in fact, that, he doesn't yeah, get cured. He doesn't get cured in Defenders 11 either. 
they end up going back in time, and apparently he had been brought back in time to fight in the Crusades. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he decides he wants to stay there. And they go, okay, well, we're just going to leave your body as a stone. <laughs> oh. So he's still a statue in the, fr- in the present time, and uh, he's fighting the Crusades. I can't imagine that sits well with them. We did all this for nothing? Basically. Oy vey. Ah, well. So that's how that ends. So I, yeah. I still have no idea how or when he's, he gets back to the present and is not our statue anymore. Hmm. Something, something to look up, perhaps on the complete Marvel reading order. Yes. Ah, hey, you know, they, they do a number of good podcasts over there. I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't read that Marvel superheroes issue either to find out how, how Dane Whitman gets unstoned. I imagine drinking lots of water and, um, having a good sleep might be part of it. Some good moisturizer. Right. Yeah, I agree. This is a really solid story. It's, it's a great 10th anniversary for the Avengers. The, 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 I, I posted a link to one of the covers online and somebody made a joke about how, oh, look, how cute it is that the Avengers are acknowledging the Defenders. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, this is early in the Defenders run, so a lot of what people associate with the Defenders is being kind of a cheesy, jokey, bit of a, not cheesy in a bad way, but just, you know, a quirky joke of a team over there doing their own thing that hasn't been developed yet. They're still an up-and-coming superhero non-team, and and this sort of crossover might not have been have been possible, you know, five years, ten years down the road in Def- Defenders history, but yeah. it works really, really well here. Mm-hmm. So, so hey, and now I've read the Avengers Defenders War. So thank you, Alan John, for making me do that. <laughs> no problem. Hey, I wanted to read it too, so this is my excuse. This there is you like go. my fourth time to read it, I think. Oh, well, then you you, you are the expert, man. <laughs> third, oh, maybe well. third or fourth, one or the other. All so, right. um... All right, so let's wrap this sucker up then. Yes. People get home to live. <laughs> okay, so, John... Let's start with you. Where can people find you if they want to hear more John Wilson? Everybody wants to hear more John Wilson. You can do so at one of two places. Uh, I am currently podcasting my way through all of the early adventures of the Marvel Cinematic Universe characters in their comic book forms with my 13-year-old daughter, who is the the epitome of podcast awesomeness. That is at Avengers Inspirations. You can do a search for that on iTunes or on the internets, or you can find us at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website or podcast feed. And uh, you can also find me at the New 52 Adventures of Superman, looking at uh, somewhat recent, uh, I can't say latest because I'm a, a year or two behind, but recent adventures of the Superman family of characters at new52superman.libson.com or on iTunes. And that is more of a solo show, but I do occasionally have uh, a guest come on with me. And um, either in the near future or near past, uh, Al Sedano is going to come and talk with me about some adventures over there. So that'll be fun. Yay! Cool. Okay, <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay. Sorry, I'm just gonna be. It's hard with you sometimes. John, there's like one thing, and sometimes there's eight. I'm never sure. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna hand the microphone over to Brian now. Let him, let him talk okay. about his stuff. So, Brian, what about you? Where can we find you? 
Absolutely nowhere, technically, because all of my podcasts are have, are on hiatus at the moment. But if you want to hear old stuff that I've done, you can find all of my old episodes of Wahoo, the Sergeant Fury podcast, uh, covering Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos from the 1960s, and also Four Color Fanboys, general comic book drawing with a certain Al Sedano, uh, and also uh, the Podwitz podcast. All of those can be found at podwitz.com and also on iTunes. Yay! Well, yes. thanks, guys. Thank you for joining. Um, oh, my was, pleasure. It was fun. For this war. And yes. everybody, they will be back at some point. Yes, separately and hopefully together. This was good fun. Yes. Okay, well, Brian and John are gone because, well, we spent, like, what, two and a half, three hours on the recording, so <laughs> they they did enough for the show. The rest is up to me. So right now, we are going to tell you where you can find this story reprinted, in case you weren't paying attention the last time. And you can find this reprinted in Essential Avengers Volume 5, The Avengers Defenders War trade paperback and hardcover, Marvel Masterworks The Avengers hardcover Volume 12, Essential Defenders Volume 1, Marvel Masterworks Defenders hardcover Volume 2, you can also find it digitally on the Comicsology and Marvel app sites, and of course on their web, and on the Marvel Digital Unlimited website. Okay, that brings us to the Friends and Enemies section of the show. And just so you know, we are only going to be counting issue Avengers 118, because that's the only one that actually featured Thanos and Adam in it. And in case this is your first time, just so you know... The Friends and Enemies section, um, we talk about whatever Marvel books had a publication date, the same publication date as the book we're talking about. In this case, for Avengers 118, it's December 1973. That either Adam or Thanos have appeared in before, and we have talked about on the show. So, right now the only ones that have that date are, that are currently going on here, that we talked about already, are Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, and Thor. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And just so everyone knows where this fits in with the other books we've talked about, since this isn't really in order, or because of how long this story is. Warlock number 8 had a publication date of October 73, and Captain Marvel 29 had a publication date of November 73, and 30 has January 74, so this, this fits right in between there. So, let's get started. Fantastic Four number 141, by Jerry Conway and John Buscema. The End of the Fantastic Four. Annihilus has captured the FF, and the diabolical nature of his plans is finally coming to light. Before the day is done, Reed must make a decision that no father should be forced to make. The Incredible Hulk, number 170, by Chris Claremont and Herb Tripp. Death from on high. Hulk and Betty have escaped the floating city of the Bi-Beast, only to find themselves stranded on a deserted isle. They must struggle to come to terms with each other and the island's strange inhabitants. Iron Man number 65 by Mike Friedrich and George Tuska. The Cutting Edge of Death. Iron Man's battle with Dr. Spectrum rages, and before long, many of the good doctor's secrets will be revealed. Meanwhile, in an effort to win back Pepper's affections, Happy makes a fatal, fateful decision. And finally, Thor number 218 by Jerry Conway and John Buscema. Where past the Black Stars, there also passes death. Asgard has been retaken, and Odin returned to the throne. 
but the shadow of doom is never far from the realm eternal. Before the dust settles, Thor must venture to the home of Tana Nile to face a new and insurmountable threat. Superman. Captain Marvel. Batman. It is 1985. Robin of Earth 2. Sergeant Rock. The Legion of Superheroes. This is the most eagerly awaited comic book event in 50 years. Tommy Tomorrow. Jonah Hex. Commandy. It will one day be called the greatest comic book event of all time. Swamp Thing. Wonder Woman. The New Teen Titans. The Haunted Tank. Infinity Incorporated. Worlds will live. Green Arrow. Worlds will die. Supergirl. The Flash. And that is only the beginning. The Justice League of America. The All-Star Squadron. The Huntress. Arion. The Metal Man. Firestorm. The Nuclear Man. The Outsiders. Green Lantern. The Blue Beetle. The Crime Syndicate. Warlord. The Guardians of the Universe. Tales of the Justice Society of America proudly presents... And many, many more. Crisis on Infinite Earths. The DC Universe will never be the same. It's the end of the world as we know it. Coming January only at two truefreaks.com. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is radio on demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. If you feel so inspired, there are a few ways you can contact us. You can send an email at resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com or just leave an iTunes review. Either one will be greatly appreciated and will be read on the air at some point. Also, be sure to check out the show's Tumblr page, where I post images from the issues we review at resurrectionsadamorlock.tumblr.com. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. I guess I'm just uh, uh, talking about uh, just specifically uh, at...